following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. We are here uh, in this beautiful timber frame chapel, which you can't see, but we'll show you a second in a second, um, at Camp Mission Meadows, where about uh, maybe 60 of us, including kids, have gathered for Artisan's second annual all-church retreat. And so um, maybe, Elliot, you can show the folks back home, all of the folks here and you can all wave to them. Uh, they're probably waving back at you, but we can't see them. <laughs> so we've had, a, we've had a great weekend in this amazing place, uh, swimming in the pool, playing games late into the night, eating together, walking through the beautiful grounds out there. Uh, we saw the sunset over Lake Chautauqua last night. Uh, we've had a great time. And uh, we've had, in addition to that, a chance to spend some significant time in studying scripture, in praying together, and in engaging in acts of service together. Just followed Artisan's thematic thread for the year, Deep Waters, um, where we're practicing three movements of spiritual formation, as you know, scripture, prayer, and service. And uh, we've done this as a church family or as part of the church family. Uh, and it's been a wonderful time, and we hope that all of you back home will retreat when we do it next year. Um, in an effort to, uh, if you will, swim into these deep waters in a way that would fit well with what's going on back at the ranch, text from John's Gospel that uh, is up next in our series, our Journeying with John series, the one that would come up today, which is John 14, 1 through 14. And uh, much of what I say in this sermon will be informed by the incredible work that the people in the room right now with me have done with this text, which is beautiful and challenging and interesting and confusing and all that. Uh, so it's been a collaborative effort, uh, which is really cool, and I hope that I can live up to the, the standard that the people have set. So I'm going to read the passage in a minute. So if you back home and you here want to read along with me, it's John 14, 1 through 14. I'm pretty sure in the Red Bible, that's page 877. I don't have all the pages memorized. Um, <laughs> but I have that one memorized because we just did the previous passage last week. So it's probably within a page of that. And while you're turning with to, to that passage, let me remind you uh, of what happened in the past couple of um, weeks uh, in the text that we covered for the last couple of weeks. Uh, Jesus has gathered his disciples together for a meal, which would come to be known as the Last Supper. And as I described for you the events that happened leading up to the one that we're looking at today, I want you to imagine how all of this would have made Jesus feel. One of the things we've been talking about is the emotion of Jesus in this time. So in the course of this evening together with his closest friends, his disciples, uh, he has washed their feet as a striking demonstration that leadership is rooted in servanthood. And then uh, Jesus has identified Judas as the one of his disciples who would betray him. And then after Judas leaves, uh, Jesus gives those who remain this, what he calls a new commandment, which is that they should love one another and that it's in their love for one another that other people will know that disciples of Jesus. And then there's another pointy moment in that passage from last week, which we didn't get to last week because I jumped right from uh, loving one another to the interview with our friends David and Hannah, who helped us understand how we could help Rochester's refugee population. The part that I omitted is that Peter 
uh, ever the, the, the kind of excitable one, jumps up and tells Jesus, I will never leave you. I'll go to my death for you. Uh, and Jesus tells him, you don't know what you're talking about. Before the rooster crows, before the sun comes up, in other words, you're going to deny me three times. So when you lay out that course of events, which we, we miss somewhat when we spend a week or several months in between the text, but it all happened one And imagine that Jesus probably felt quite drained emotionally. By the time we get to this part of the evening, he's, he's talking in a way where it almost seems like, um, like a dying parent or grandparent would, would sound. When they gather the family together, knowing that they don't have much time left, they want to tell them all the most important things. Their love and their last wishes and all that kind of thing. And then the kids just don't seem to get it. And one of them storms out of the room. And the other ones don't seem to understand the significance of this moment. Questions about stuff that's beside the point. Feel the frustration and the disappointment in what in his in his voice as he as he talks to them and says what he wants to say. So now let's look at this passage. It's John 14, 1 through 14. And this is what Jesus says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house there are many dwelling places. And the NIV it says there are as I mentioned with lots of rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my father also. You know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and still you don't know me? The NIV says, don't you know me, Philip? It's a little more personal sounding. Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Again, the NIV says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, because of the works themselves, very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. So do you hear the, the raw humanity of Jesus in that dialogue? The humanity, the, the humanness of Jesus has really come across strongly to me and to all of us in the room as we study this passage this weekend. And frankly, I am really, really grateful for the human story. Because there uh, is some pretty challenging tension in what he has to say. And somehow the, the, his humanness, his humanity, 
is, is a reassuring presence for me in the midst of those tensions. I wonder if you felt any of those tensions too, as you have read that passage or you heard me read it. Jesus saying, no one comes to the Father except through me. And so often this saying of Jesus, which is very famous, is used um, rather triumphantly, I might say, to suggest that anyone who doesn't believe exactly the way we believe is uh, bound for eternal torment. Have friends and family who don't believe what we believe, who don't believe that Jesus is who he said he is. And we don't really want to think about what the consequences of that might be. And so to see Jesus here with his closest friends, lamenting that they don't understand what he's talking about, they don't understand his truth, that is somehow reassuring to me when I think of my friends. Like if Jesus' friends didn't even get it, my friends might have a little grace. What about this one? The promise that uh, we, those who believe in Jesus, will do even greater works than his. If we believe, and if we ask anything, ask Jesus for anything in his name. But to my knowledge, uh, none of us has ever performed a miracle on par with, let alone exceeding those of the ones that Jesus did. And all of us have had the experience of praying for something and asking for it in his name and then not getting the answer that we hoped for. So to see Jesus, the man, the human, in this room, finding that life is not going exactly the way he would like to see it go, and being frustrated, you can hear it in his voice, even seeming to be let down and disappointed. Again, that is somehow oddly comforting to me. But if this passage gives us a fully human Jesus, it also gives us a Jesus who is fully God. It says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. A Jesus who says, how can you ask me to show you the Father? Haven't you been with me all along? A Jesus who says, if you don't believe me, at least believe in the miracles that you've seen. And a Jesus who promises that if we walk in his way, we too will be drawn drawn up into the power of God, and we will join him in his work. That we have the divine Jesus, the God Jesus, is a great reassurance too, because sometimes you need a miracle, don't you? Sometimes all you can do is hope against hope that all the old stories are true, make beautiful things out of the dust of our life, that he can heal those who are sick, provide for those who are in need, and hold back death for those who are at death's door. Sometimes you need a miracle. And sometimes faith itself is a miracle. Sometimes we see the way that uh, religion just seems to be one more power grab in our society. Another way of drawing boundaries around our territory. Terrible people out. Another shell game designed to milk us of all of our money. Sometimes we doubt that 
God hears our prayers or that God is there at all. And we sit in the darkness of our bedrooms or in the darkness of our hearts or our minds. I don't know where we are going or how to get there or if there's even a there there or if any of it is even worth the struggle. So I was um, actually quite blessed in studying this to realize that the, the Christian doctrine, which says that Jesus is both fully human and fully divine, it's not just some academic exercise. It's actually an incredible gift. And this duality, this tension is the answer or part of the answer to the biggest questions that we have in life. Who is God? What does God look like? Well, God looks like Jesus. If you know me, you know my Father also. He says some version of that enough times that we should get the point. He says it himself, if you can't believe in me, believe in the miracles. And sometimes I think the reverse is true. If you can't believe in the miracles, believe in the man. It's almost like he knows that sometimes you can only get your head around the human Jesus or the divine Jesus one at a time. And that's a gift. What about this big question? What are we doing here? Where are we going? How can we know the way home? Somebody in one of our study groups said that when it says in my father's house there are many rooms many dwelling places that kind of evokes home but how can you know the way home if that's what home is as if there's some 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 tricky way to try to get where you're going and jesus says no 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 i am the way and when i read it i try to emphasize it that way because growing up in the church i've heard it all my life Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. Don't you come to the Father except by me. And you just kind of blur it all together. But it's in response to the question, how do we know the way? And Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. In modern terms, as somebody pointed out, he might have said, I'm the map or I'm the, I'm the GPS. And I'm true north, by the way, also. I am what the compass actually points to. And oh, by the way, I'm also the road that you need. This is all heavy stuff and the meat of this passage. But I'm also reminded and encouraged by the fact that before Jesus gets into any of this weight, he says something very beautiful, very gentle, very loving. It's the first words in chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe. Now, yes, I think he's undoubtedly trying to, to offer peace in the wake of all that stuff that I described that came before this conversation. This week's in this series. But I like to think that he's also warning them of, of the confusion that's about to come in what he's about to say. He's like, okay. Guys, I'm going to say some stuff right now. <laughs> it's going to be confusing. You're going to think I'm talking in riddles. 
as somebody else pointed out yesterday. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe. And that in itself comes before any of the complicated, fancy doctrine about the duality of Jesus, the humanness, the divinity, all the mystery. On one level, that's all that Jesus says to us and all that we need to hear. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe. One of the things we did when we looked at this passage yesterday as a group here at the retreat was we wrote down a list of questions. It was as long as my arm, and I have fairly long arms. But I think on some level, the answer to all of those questions, all of that confusion, all of that mystery is, do not let your hearts be troubled by it. Believe. <clears throat> Believe in the man. Believe in the miracles. Believe in Jesus. He is the way. And so here at Mission Meadows and back home at Artisan, I want to ask us all to engage in about a minute of silent reflection. And I want you to, to take a moment to recognize all of the trouble in your heart, whether it comes from this passage or whether it comes from your life right now or some of both. And I want you to look at each one of those things and, and, then, and then hear Jesus say to you, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe. So let's take a moment and observe silence. Lord Jesus, as we reflect on all that you have said in this passage, we find not only hope, but also confusion. Not only the gift of who you are, but the mystery that comes with it. Not only the, the blessing and reassurance that, that you are a human being who knows our struggles and knows what it's like to be betrayed and disappointed and let down, but also that you are God. And that when we look to you, we see the Father. We are so thankful for these gentle, loving words. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And we pray that the power of your spirit for us today and this week would be the peace that comes from believing as best we can in you and who you are. 
give us strength to do it. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you. We miss you. And um, we'll see you soon. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.